0: Now we're going to be reviewing the morning newspapers in just a moment, but first I'll give you some of the headlines and the front page story starting with the Sunday Independent. All has changed is the headline there. Fergal Keane is in Nice where he paints a very, very vivid picture of the emotions felt along that promenade. A real sense of helplessness there. Where do we go from here I suppose is the question. At the very least life won't be the same again in France. Elsewhere, how Varadkar moved to end Kenny Heave. The Sunday Independent says the Social Protection Minister killed off any notions of a move to oust Enda Kenny as Fine Gael leader. Fradker himself, of course, is considered by many as the front-runner to succeed the Taoiseach as top dog in the party. The Sunday Times leads with a massive photograph of, of protesters in Turkey uh, standing on top of a tank. Turks crush coup is the headline there. Uh, it says that 3,000 military personnel have been rounded up by the government while Erdogan, the president there, has turned on judges. It's reported as well, the death penalty might be brought in to deal with those suspected of taking part in that coup. Below the fold Popular Martin helps Fianna Fáil to 5-point lead over Fine Gael. Uh, Nothing but good news in the papers for Fianna Fáil and Micheál Martin this morning uh, Latest opinion poll in the Sunday Times Behaviour and Attitudes 1 uh, puts support for the party at 30% for the first time since 2011. Satisfaction with Micheál Martin uh, now at 50% as well. Another poll is the lead in the Sunday Business Post 57% want Kenny out by Budget Day Fianna Fall opens a clear lead on Fine Gael in that poll as well uh, Half of voters think that the party is actually running the country uh, The Independent Alliance is up in that poll as Sinn Féin slumps The Sunday Business Post also telling us that former console boss Paul Kelly is to apply for social welfare Finally in the Mail on Sunday, it's more from the charity sector uh, Charity chiefs spied on me, St John of God employee shocked after discovering private detectives were hired to follow her for, for weeks. Uh, it's an investigation there by the Mail uh, which claims that private detectives, thousands of euros were spent on private detectives to spy on whistleblower Brida Claffey, who says the experience left her feeling humiliated and crushed. Now to discuss some of the stories in this morning's papers we're joined by our panel uh, Fia Kelly political correspondent with the Irish Times Sheila Riley editor of the Longford Leader and Declan Power he's a former soldier now working as a security and defence analyst. You're all very welcome good morning to you all. Good morning. Morning. We're going to start with the the coverage of Turkey because I mean some extraordinary photos and some extraordinary footage we've seen in the news over the past couple of days. Fia Kelly I'm going to start with you I mean this this really just shows just what an uncertain world we have. You even went back two weeks ago and said where we are, where we are in terms of the, the, where, the world and where it is now between Brexit, between mm. the attacks in Dallas and, and Nice and now we have this coup in Turkey.
1: <laughs> we were just discussing it outside that, like, you know, the, the breakneck speed at which world events are happening mm. at the moment but even since Friday evening when um, watching this, what looked like a very poorly planned coup now, when mm. you look at it uh, unfold both on social media and on television uh, to the speed at which uh, President Erdogan has now... Kind of copper fastness mm. grip and use this as an opportunity to further, I suppose, cleanse the military and the judiciary. There's a key quote, I think, uh, from him yesterday, it's on the front of the Sunday Times, that he calls this uprising a gift from God because it will be the reason to cleanse our army. And I think that is the, the, the given mm-hmm. the concerns about Erdogan already, that is the, the really kind of worrying thing, I suppose, that
0: this coup will have knock on effects for years to come in Turkey, as all previous coups mm. have. and Sheila, it's, it's, it's some really strong coverage across yeah, the papers on it. I mean, the thing about Erdogan is is like I mean he's he's consolidated power now it seems like but he's a pretty poor Apache human rights record but I think the loves, old sort yeah. of FDR yeah. adage of he may be an SOB but at least he's our SOB yeah, as a is, thing from there's the West.
2: definitely a lot of that and you have to look, I mean we have to look at the background in relation to uh, uh, say even look at, at, at uh, the service and I use that in mm. inverted commas that he's doing the EU in relation to uh, stemming the flow of, uh, of migrants into Europe. I mean who knows what uh, deal with the devil has been done there in relation to that let's face it you know yeah. so you have a wider geopolitical issue at play there and obviously then you have uh, Turkey's position as it is, and I think it has the second largest army in NATO, I mean, Declan is the, obviously mm. the expert in relation to that, you know, so you have that as well, you know, I mean this guy is, uh, he is a very serious operator, I mean he does have a huge amount of support there I think they say he has over uh, the support for over half the half voters there, you know, so he definitely has uh, the will of the people behind him, I think he has been very good with his largesse he's looked after health and he's looked after education and things like that, but he has been pushing the country in a very uh, religious direction yeah. if you like it is a strongly secular country and even only a couple of weeks ago we've seen where they clamped down on the the gay pride parade that's in right, Istanbul yeah. you know and that's that's only a few weeks ago you know and there has been ongoing reports coming from Turkey in the last maybe year or two that probably have been flying in under the radar if you like but now when you kind of put it all together we're probably seeing the culmination of a lot yeah. of that, a lot of underground action, if you like, that has been ongoing uh, in the culminating in that coup. A very bad how not to plan a coup. It's coup it's on <laughs> a Friday patchy. evening, I mean, Declan
0: Power. I mean, how worried should we be by this? I mean, it's 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 obviously it is the gateway, it is the bridge between Europe and the Middle East borders, places like Syria, like Iraq. Mm. What does this all mean for for stability in the
3: Middle East? Well, it doesn't enhance it. Uh, that's for sure. And very what least, it, yeah. yeah, what it means is that um, Turkey is as likely to become a member of the European Union now as I am to become the Pope. Mm. Um, but it was never really on the cards yeah. anyway. But what it uh, also, you know, to, to further some of the points that Sheila's been making, Turkey worked really hard in its early days of statehood to embed secularism because the founding father, you know, Kamel Ataturk, Mm -hmm. realised how important it was that their new state after the First World War, you know, they came of age around the same time as we did, 1922, uh, that, you know, the religious... Uh, power blocks could destabilise the country. And he worked really hard at that. And Erdogan's regime has uh, attempted to unnit all Mm. of that. Mm. And while he does enjoy widespread support throughout the country, it's largely in the rural areas amongst the less educated classes. And it's the the more urbanised educated elite that have been dismayed by him. Mm. Uh, He's tampered with the rule of law. He's dismantled uh, various things that would be considered a necessity for membership of the European Union, and it's against that backdrop that bizarrely this coup has happened. And I say bizarrely because uh, it seems, and it's still quite fluid at the moment, but it seems that the impetus, that the driving force, was to try and stop this these moves that he was engaging in. But doing so with a coup, it's like saying, you know, I want to uh, improve democracy with uh, fascist tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and and that's the most unfortunate thing. It was so ill-advised. Yeah. It, it has set back their cause hugely. It has Giving him an open hand and already the news headlines are about not, is he, not only is he moving against elements in the military he has stood down a number of judges so you're going to see all yeah, kinds of tampering thing, yeah, the hundreds and hundreds of judges yeah, were, were, yeah. were struck off I mean the amount of infrastructure which he has to undo
0: now to, to, to seek out anybody who even vaguely associates with this plot is just Exactly massive, massive. and it's
3: against that backdrop now that we still have to continue as Sheila was saying to try and use Turkey as our main partner to manage mm. the migration mm. crisis. We still have to work closely with Turkey in trying to contain and deal, the, deal with the IS threat and on top of all that let's not forget how bellicose Turkey was as a NATO member in shooting down a, a Russian mm. aircraft not that long that's ago. Right, yeah. you know, so it, it, this is a very fluid and uh, unpredictable situation yeah. and that's further underlined mm. by the US's uh, rather slow and kind mm. of anodyne reaction to well, news of the support the government. democratic mm. process
1: or yeah. whatever, yeah. yeah. And, and I it don't blame it. them. It this statement, I think, was a couple of hours behind the events the other night and there was a suggestion yeah. that perhaps they were waiting to see how things unfolded before yeah. Barack Obama and John Kerry actually said anything. And it was an anodyne st- statement. There was no names so It was yeah. supporting the it's democratic, very democratic much process. It mm. yeah, yeah. kind of was, really, you know.
2: But there's bound to be huge concern. Like, I mean, Angela Merkel is bound to be massively concerned <laughs> about thing. what has gone on there in the last couple of days. I mean, can we try and imagine what's going on behind closed yeah. doors in Europe at the minute when the they're looking not just at to what yeah. happened in Nice, but say looking at Turkey yeah. there and saying like, trying to look into the crystal ball and imagine what is that country going to be like say yeah. in two, three, five years time now as a result of this coup yeah. The,
0: the is political though, I think is, 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 is just going to be it's massive I mean when you talk about things like the deal on refugees even if you look at the Brexit referendum one of the whole debating points now is oh we don't want Turkey as a member because they're mm. all going to come over here and do this if that was if, if this coup happened maybe three weeks ago it might have been very But Well it wasn't
3: either. just about the, Tur- the Turkish people uh, are, there's quite a lot of them in Europe mm. and particularly in Germany, in Germany Germany yeah. and there's quite a heritage of that there now the issue would be if Turkey became part of the European Union they would have a large uh, they would have a large amount of influence because they're such a large population mm. Mm. not alone do they have the second largest military in NATO that's you know one part of it but their population would give them voting rights within yeah, European 18 Union million. Yeah there's people in Turkey yeah. so it's massive so, it's huge, you swear, and though. you know with maybe now where we're seeing that they're totally at odds with uh, the European Union's values anyway the, the problem was they were never going to meet the kind of asset tests mm. for membership
2: of the European Union Yeah it's that right. was Certainly always a now. red herring I mean it was one of the many red airings, let's face it, mm. in the leave campaign. But I mean, that was one of the things that were coming out whereas the reality is, how long has Turkey been trying to get into Europe? And what did, when was this first moved? 1987 yeah, or now. something? I mean, has never kind
1: of, has yeah. he kind of culturally shifted away from that, from a kind of, under his Stewardship of the country has moved away from looking to Europe to perhaps looking towards the Middle East slightly more, and it was it was always going to be unlikely with him in charge of the country anyway.
3: That's true. One of the interesting things though that has happened in the last uh, month or six weeks is they've uh, patched up the relationship with Israel, mm. and yeah. uh, they've reopened diplomatic relationship uh, with them again. Because
0: it's been a bit it's been a bit of a, of, a, of a power struggle when it comes to how Turkey's dealt with things like Iraq between itself and Iran, who has more influence on it, isn't
2: it?
3: Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's well, Turkey kind of stands stands apart to an extent from, mm. from both. Um, it would be a case of which was in its interest. And I think they were looking at its borders and how Turkey and Iraq, or sorry, Iran and Iraq would have mm-hmm. influence on that. And... Uh, I could understand where they were coming from there. And also then, their great fear was about Russian encroachment into their sphere of influence. And to be, let's be fair about it, the Russians knew what they were doing too when they were buzzing around close to Mm -hmm. their airspace. And they wanted to see what kind of a reaction. I think the Turks felt we have to show strength of will here. But... You know, they gave NATO a collective yeah. heart attack mm. when they did this.
0: See, Kelly, the, the politics of this on the European stage. Then, I mean, the fact is, Europe needs a strong and a stable Turkey to to manage the refugee crisis as well as mm. any campaigns in Syria against IS or or whatever. How exactly do you manage it? Do we just pull it up and shut up now with it? Do we, just, do we just turn a blind eye almost to any of these well, human rights said, abuses?
1: Well, you saw the, rea- the the reaction not just from the United States your evening, but from Merkel under the European leaders mm-hmm. was very much, you know, the democratic will of the people mm-hmm. has to be respected and this is an anti-democratic coup. So in fairness, Erdogan might not be everybody's to everybody's taste and he certainly isn't to European taste when you see the direction in which he's taking the country but yeah you just have to deal with him because he is democratically elected at the moment he doesn't have the support of urban liberal middle classes who would have more European values but Merkel has done her deal with him on refugees mm. and you're going to have to she's made her bed and I suppose now she's going to have to deal with that approach and there's nothing that can really be done about it like it's, mm. a, it's a bind he's not a leader that is really acceptable to Europe but what do you do? Do you then say okay, okay, if there's there's a military coup and the generals take over that's well and good by us but how does that fit with European values and European ideal?
2: Yeah, no, and let's face it, you know, the reality is that uh, in doing the deal with Turkey, what they have done is they uh, eventually took the, the migrants off the front pages, you know, and to a degree uh, that whole issue has so, sort of been parked, if the coverage of it has been parked. If it's definitely like. fallen away. The, so yeah, the numbers yeah, have dropped regard, as well though. Yeah, I understand for, for, for that. For a variety of fair? reasons. Uh,
3: the, uh, I think, first of all, we should keep in mind it's very important that Europe keeps engaged mm. with Turkey. It's easier to contain the, the worst excesses by uh, building in caveats to funding and things like that that we give them, we can have we can have a very good a positive influence. It would have been you know it 's good that the coup didn 't succeed mm. uh, it's uh, right it is what it is now, and Europe needs to consolidate its relationship and you know the funding mechanisms that we use the way we engage uh, as i 've seen how Europe has done this in parts of africa as well it 's uh, not perfect but it kind of a positive and benign influence and go back to the point about the refugees well we should you know, Hungary, which is a member of the European Union, has a sort, of a sort of a loose kind of concept of rule of law as well, mm-hmm. and hasn't been terribly sympathetic to uh, the movements of, uh, of refugees and migrants, as some of the other newer European Union states. And th- th- the reality is, it's not palatable to want to say this, but their closure of their borders has had an effect in the actual movements. The numbers have mm-hmm. diminished now I don't know. Is there a lesson to take out of that? Uh, what i uh, my primary objective here would be, you know, uh, that we need to look after as much as we can the welfare of those unfortunates that are afflicted by war. Mm. But uh, sometimes I think there has been a rush to one side of the boat in political correctness uh, that has mm. been. Are we being out selectively outraged? Well, we're being outraged, and then that's had an effect, and we're, we haven't been quick enough to realise it or react to it. It has had an effect on significant chunks of the population in the European Union. It, it drove the debate in it. You mm, know, in totally. a, in a, it. was That was yeah. the in number one. In mean, way. They, they but yeah. We have to take it on board. Yeah,
2: but you know, we can't ignore that. Like That's crucial and even if you look I think it's a Sunday Times poll today um, is it that one that says where half, 51% 58% think, 58 percent
0: think uh, that migrants have a, yeah, a positive influence?
2: Yeah, they think migrants have a positive influence but there's this, over half of them think that too many of them have mm. been, too many mm. migrants have come to the country. We cannot ignore that figure. Like if we, we ignore that at our peril because if we do that we are in danger of becoming what the UK has become now in say in a generation or two generations time you know I mean that's the reality of it we have to be generous about the people that are here but we have to recognize the concerns that people have about them being here Mm. and not dismiss them as just prejudice and ill-informed racism because Mm. that's ill-informed on our behalf if you know what I mean you see we like we're horrified at what we would most people are horrified at what's happened in post-Brexit Britain. People being, been, you know, abused on trains yeah. and buses yeah. and yeah. things like that and shouted on the streets. Like, that's horrific and nobody wants to see that but we are deluding ourselves if we think that won't happen that here war, in 20 or 30 it. years' yeah. time and we can avoid it now. We are yeah. actually in a position where we can avoid that now. A
0: couple of texts in. Pat in Dublin says the EU respecting de- dem- democratically elected governments didn't apply in Egypt. You can't pick and choose which governments you respect. Joan Wexford says the coup in Turkey was so poorly carried out I suspect it was a false flag operation to eliminate opposition to the regime I'm not sure that was actually possible
3: at all. That's actually uh, floated yeah. in some yeah. of the papers this morning. Really, yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's yeah. uh, ah, look, you know, get your tin foil hat out, no. you know, <laughs> you know, and start worrying about the rays. I mean, like, when we get into conspiracy theory, I mean, let's not waste any further time, wa- you know, wasting people's, you know, Sunday morning talking about delusions. Yeah. stuff mm. they, that's what the internet is for. So hop mm. on your site <laughs> you <know, laughs> have a go at yeah. that. We're, we're not Declan, interested in nonsense.
0: But the serious point of it is, is that I mean, Erdogan is going to seize it from it. As Felix said, he described it as a gift from God and an opportunity. To cleanse out the military, who is he going to be targeting? Is is who is who is the, who is the, the opposition here that he's looking for?
3: Uh, he's going to target anybody that is politically at all I mean is this going to be a thing where he's
0: just going to use it for any mild opposition he's going to eliminate all of it and just uh, uh, seize them, seize on that by just linking them in some way some vague way to the coup
3: I would have no doubt if he could he would yeah. but there are a number of retarding influences here and it goes back to the point we were making he doesn't exist in splendid isolation mm. and this is where you know the European Union and other and the US and other partner states indeed uh, dare I say it, the Israelis as well all will have a role in retarding his excessive response with a view to restoring stability. The primary objective here is to restore political and other stability in Turkey. Uh, because it is too important to be left to descend into some sort of uh, uh, you know, dictator-like rampage against uh, real and imagined uh, opposition forces. Mm.
0: Another text in, Erdogan is supported by Islamists and the uneducated outside of the cities. Nearly all educated people despise him and new laws will go through in a few weeks which will remove whatever power was left in the secular army allowing this Islamist dictator to target minorities and women. How bad, actually, Declan, is that situation in Turkey? I mean, is it a very, very Islamist state in terms of its a view on minorities <coughs> and its views on women and things like that?
3: In fairness, I don't think it is no. compared to compared to some. There, there are quite a few others. We won't go name-calling now at the moment, but uh, no, I don't think Turkey has gone down that route. I think, uh, but I mean it has eroded a lot of the secular base mm-hmm. and it has given uh, you know, a platform to some more uh, extremist. When I Extremist, I'm not talking about people that are necessarily terrorists, but people that would have very, shall we say, conservative and one dimensional mm-hmm. ideas. Like it's important to understand that, for example, the religious uh, thinking that drives the likes of IS and uh, previously Al Qaeda came from Wahhabist and uh, oh, Salafist mm. religious thinking that drove Osama bin Laden. But people who practice the Wahhabist and Salafist form of religion, while they're, they're heavy weather, shall we say, they're not all necessarily terrorists. Mm. And so, in terms of how this is reacted, I would say. It is in Erdogan's interest, and because he's he's wants to hold on to power, he's probably savvy enough to know that if he moves too harshly against the army, which is a a bulwark uh, of stability within Turkey, he'll alienate a lot of career military people that um you know, he could lead to, it could lead to a coup further down the line. so mm. he has to be careful this
0: isn't over then hmm.
3: yeah it, well, it, it's not over depending on how he handles it mm. if he's too excessive, he will build resentment amongst people who are capable. Of launching a coup a year or two down right. the line
0: we're going to turn to that really really just just appalling attack in nice now. some of the coverage is is really distressing a lot of photos of of flowers and tributes were sort of left along the promenade in nice sheila it's 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 a unique sort of tragedy oh, isn't it's, it?
2: It's so heartbreaking and I uh, looking at some of the cover today and it, they kind of have a lot of the real personal stories mm. you know and that obviously makes it you know it just brings home to you like uh, I have a four year old at home myself and I'm, it's heartbreaking to read the story of four year old Yanis Corvio um, told in his dad's words about how he kind of just turned around and he looked around and there he was lying on the, on the promenade after being hit by yeah. the truck and he looked like Uh, the Island Curdie you know that's what the father how the father described Uh you know lying there like that that would just absolutely rip your heart out I think that it's the simplicity of this attack in a in a, a in a venue a scene that is familiar to anybody to any of us you know like a promenade where there's some sort yeah. of celebration going on um, and then the devastation caused by such a simple act like that you know he drove a truck through a crowd of thirty thousand people like for two, people, like yeah. for two for the guts of two kilometers it's it's hard for us to even fathom how that how that happened you know I but yet it feels so close and so personal because you can understand yeah. how it all happened you can see it all play out and trying to imagine the fear that people must have felt like they the eyewitness accounts that were coming through on uh, you know in the radio the next morning like they just you know it was nearly hard to comprehend. Even some of
0: the, the video and stuff. We were yeah
2: oh it's it's actually it's actually so frightening yeah. and it makes you realise that you know this is not far away this is here this is like this yeah. is where we are now and there's no point in imagining this is someplace off in the middle distance because it's not.
0: And one of the things that, I mean the, the fact that there were so many children involved in it as well yeah it, it you must wonder what, how even if you are in France now and you are a parent. I mean, how how you going about even about explaining how these what these things are happening, and then how you just. Yeah. carry on with normal life
2: and how you have to and from what can you do you see yeah. you have to carry on with normal life I mean that's that's the reality of it but it does like France certainly is under attack and it must be a very frightening situation for people to be living in on a constant basis and as any anybody any human being not a per- parent anybody mm. looking into a crowd of people you would have to be asking yourself the question will I go in there and I think there could be a sense in France as well after the success of the European Championships it finished on a high yeah. I don't mm. want to say they breathed a sigh of relief and they took the, the foot off because they didn't because you couldn't predict this in mm. the wildest wildest dreams, dreams and you couldn't imagine this would there's happen there
1: was an interesting mm. line someone covered yesterday that like there, maybe perhaps there was the, not the security service but the population at large perhaps took a sigh of relief after mm. the Euros meant okay we've got through that but there was an interesting uh, line in some of the papers yesterday that doctors across France had to log on to a co- uh, an internet course during the Euros to say this is how you deal with Kalashnikov injuries, this is how you deal with stab wounds, this is how you deal with the following like terrorist-related yeah. injuries. And suddenly they are dealing with uh, injuries caused by someone driving a truck down a mm. promenade on Bastille Day. Like the, I think the, the most shocking thing about it is the nature of it, the unpredictability mm. of what form this type of incident will take next. I think is a really shocking thing. Powerlessness it. because it yeah. is beyond imagination. Yeah. At this stage. yeah, but I think yeah, I, I think I think that's true. And the, the character of of the uh, the person who carried out the attack is seems to be of a kind with the ones say like you know loner, troubled mm. personal. Uh, personal background it's of a kind with the, with the attackers we saw at the Bataclan yeah, it, 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 it matches, it matches a certain yeah, profile power, I mean
0: what is it about the, the, <coughs> these particular characters they all seem to have some sort of similar backgrounds in terms of some history of petty crime. On the, outs of, on the outside, at least, it doesn't appear that they're overly developed Muslims either. Mm. But
3: wh- what is it about this? Well, if I can, for a moment, I want to be objective and detached yeah. you know, look at this. Because it is very easy and it's completely understandable that people should look at this from an emotional point of view. But then that's exactly what the desired effect is. Mm. Uh, this is what I would describe as uh, it's an asymmetric act. Uh, it's a reaction to the fact that you have a more powerful enemy. So how do we uh, lash back at that enemy in a way that can really affect them? And it's a, a weaponizing of sentiment uh, and a weaponizing of individuals. Um, there is, you know, the, the, there's no real mysteries here. Uh, the French in- domestic French intelligence service, uh, the chief of that organization, spoke before the Euros about actionable intelligence they had of IS planning, attacks in uh, areas of large congregation. Mm. And uh, the French security forces moved heaven and earth to make the Euros happen without incident. And it didn't happen without incident. You might remember Mm. there was a police officer and his wife murdered by one individual who terrorised psychologically terrorised Mm. people because he filmed himself talking about what he was going to do and and, and the child was still there. Now, the the element of psychological terror here has been maximised in a very simple way because of online means. And this is not an accident. There is a tendency within some of the media even today to label this guy uh, a one-off because he was uh, he had mental health issues. How much mental health issues he had remains to be seen. We still know very little about this guy and his motivation. But what we do know and we would be fools in the extreme to ignore is that the pattern Fiek mentioned is quite obvious and also the fact that he was a petty criminal. So he could move on the fringes of society, be known to the ordinary police and not attract attention beyond uh, being seen as a, a criminal. Mm. An and
2: ordinary criminal. An, an ordinary, ordinary criminal. described as that one of the pieces there. today.
3: Exactly. He's a perfect foot soldier. Mm. And this is not new. I mean, the IRA uh, were quite happy to make alliances in back in the day with all kinds of criminal elements who acted as facilitators and logisticians for them. And the legacy of that we still see mm. today. But going back to, to this issue, Uh, In terms of of how we guard against it, we have to be very careful. Uh, The sentiment aspect makes us react emotionally. You uh, would probably, Chris, in terms of uh, 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 people ringing in, texting Mm. in and uh, other programs, people have very emotional reactions and put them all, uh, you know, talking Mm. about Muslims on a boat, send them back. Now, what I would say to listeners out there today, delete Muslim when you're thinking and listening to those things and in your head insert Irish because 20 odd 30 years ago it would have been completely understandable in Britain it's during the height yeah. Yeah, Irish people Irish people this Irish people that now in fairness to the British uh, and they're to be commended for this as a, as a nation for the most part they didn't overreact. They w- had enough sense to be able to discern that there was a small body of extremists mm. driven by uh, a conflict that existed in the north that were uh, attacking them, and that most Irish people bore them no ill will and were happy to work in, in partnership with them. Mm. We need to maintain that semblance of reality regards, regarding the Islamic population in Europe. If we don't, what we are doing is weaponizing ourselves and becoming a weapon in ISIS ideological war. Mm. We're driving a wedge between the Islamic population in Europe and the Western population. That's what they want. Exactly, precisely. And there's one other element of this we need to remember too. The Islamic uh, faith is pretty diverse. I mentioned earlier the Wahhabi salafists That's only a segment of it. That'd be like... Somebody uh, you saying, well, I'm a Catholic, and uh, somebody thinking, oh, well, are you like the trendentine or the, you know, the the real extreme mm. elements? So we need to give voice to mm. the mm. debate and dissent that is taking place within that within very, Islam. very vast religion. Yeah. And we could start by doing it here in Ireland, and not assuming that only one voice speaks for Islam. There was a debate recently. Uh, Doctor Umar Al Qadri spoke, mm. and he spoke in in this station uh, about things where he wanted to see the Islamic population step up to the mark and kind of get with State assistance be the pathfinders to uh, handling and monitoring potential extremists within their ranks. And you know what? I heard him speak in public at an event in Trinity College and he got precious little support from elements of the liberal Irish left. And oh. I, I can't quite fathom why people whose value system would be so at odds with the, mm. the extreme wing of Islam would try and uh, talk down to a man who is trying to give a platform for a more enlightened version and uh, speak mm. for people who feel they don't have a voice. Sheila, the thing is, we
0: can we can talk about how we shouldn't be affected by this, and we should, you know, treat treat, treat Muslims the same way we treat everybody else. But the f- fact of the matter is. France has changed now and people are going to cling on to this you have to have a fear about how it reacts to this as a whole
2: you definitely do we're already seeing how it's reacting to it I mean look at the rise of the national front Mm. I mean that's Mm. the reality of how it's going to I mean as was after saying there uh, you know this 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 is what they, this is what IS wants. This mm. is what these uh, fundamentalists really want. I mean, they want to, to build that divide so that they can mobilise their own army, if you like, uh, sitting sleepers in, in France uh, right across Europe, first generation, second generation, disaffected, as Declan said, moving along the margins. This is absolutely playing into their hands and we're seeing it happening with uh, in France. We're going to see that, actually. We are already seeing it right across Europe. I mean, mm. look, at, look at, we were after talking with the UK there a few minutes ago. I mean, look at uh, UKIP and look at how the, the Brexit campaign was fought so it's happening it's not going to happen uh, mm. are we looking at a situation where uh, Marie Le Pen is going to be uh, the Prime Minister of France is that something least, yeah. or President something we would have dismissed five mm. years ago as nonsense it looks almost that certain she's to yeah. year, yeah. So yeah. Like it's going to be a run off next year it looks like it's going to be a run off versus
1: Le Pen versus most likely mm. a Traditional conservative, I wouldn't say Aland, that will make it into the runoff. He's so popper. No, don't. yeah. yeah. It, what you're speaking about there is. The region in which this attack took place is one where the Front National has performed well, and you've seen, I suppose, what you would traditionally term mainstream politicians have to tack towards that point of view in order to meet with success. Like mm-hmm. the mayor, I think or I can't remember his name escapes me at present. Last year, h- who was basically leading the response to this attack to the night in the spoke of a fifth column of Muslim people in this area of France. When you and start that's, talking about that, that, that is, that's is, what he was talking yeah. about, and that this region of France is. Perhaps already veering in directions mm. Sheila spoke about. It's okay, liberal Paris is like oh. you know the liberal Turkey. There'll always be educated people around there who will differentiate between the masses and the the, the suppose the hard hardcore fundamentalist elements of a certain religion. But I think this particular region of France that this took place in, it, it's it's slightly. I would say, dangerous, that you, you would fear that there would be a political fallback or political consequence to this, but people, when people were moving in that direction anyway.
3: You're, you're right. I and mean, here is the crux of it. People talk about frontline and security responses. Mm. And if you listen, most of the discussions that take place after attack are about the hard edge of security, the reactive of security. Mm. Uh, debates about, uh, you know, there would be debates I'm sure at some stage in this country about uh, our uh, police and military special forces and their ability to move quickly to react. That's important. That's a debate that needs to be had. It's the fire brigade debate, okay? But we also need to be looking at the fire prevention, the real frontline. Is line there here. any
0: way of actually doing it though, Declan? I mean, you, you do, of, of actually preventing it in the first
3: place? Yes. So build yes. up trust with the community. And yes. How do you do that? Well, let's let's go back to what Feak was saying because he was opening the door kind of into this whole idea. The frontline here. Let's be quite clear about it. I kind of use military terminology in a way, but. We need to look at it. It's the front line of the mind. Mm. The objective of IS and other extreme extremist groups like that is to polarize politics, and it, you can see the pattern. Mm. There's a polarization of politics in the US at the moment. We've seen it in the UK. Mm. We're seeing it just as articulated there in France. Now, the organs of society, civil society, are the frontline troops here. Yourselves, the people listening mm. here. All of us. We're the frontline troops. Because the the, the weapon here that's been used is sentiment. So you can make a decision here. You can decide whether you're going to buy in to the... A sentiment of polarization and start to look at people with dark skin who dress mm. a bit differently as the enemy. Or you can start to be a little bit more smart and intelligent mm. and, and let your intellect drive you mm. rather than your emotions mm. because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for knee-jerk reaction. And if that, kind of, if that kind of middle ground can be held and it will be up to civil society in Europe to do that and it won't happen on its own the media have a role here politicians have a role here but, but policymakers. but they need to be aware yeah. of that I
0: just want to raise the point I mean as you say there's polarisation politics happening Ever we haven't really seen any sort of surge in far right sentiments here we don't even have an outlet for that as such I and mean, why do you think that is? I, uh, s- traditionally being the case that first of all we haven't experienced I would
1: say uh, migration on a, on oh. a level experienced mm. by other European countries including the UK that just hasn't happened here but it's the nature it's our own characteristics our history we're a we're people that saw that basically travelled the world that we left Ireland our population I, I look I was the interesting thing during the week was the census was out I think we're up to 4.7 million population in Republic mm. now but mm. if you clock the graph look at the population of the country in the 1950s it was nearly 2 to 3 million so our history I suppose I think we're still the only country in the world which yeah. has, has a smaller population than gives like us, 200 g- years gives ago gives us yeah. a, syn- a sympathy with I suppose people who have to travel from their own home mm. and to find work and, and such elsewhere but it's just it's I would perhaps it's wishful thinking that it's not to say it's not in our nature but it just hasn't been in the last while and I think following the follow from the Brexit referendum, when the Dáil reflected on it, there were a couple of very interesting speeches in the chamber, one of which was from Micheál Martin who actually drew a line of difference between Ireland and that, I suppose somewhat nativist approach you saw in the UK to this little England approach that he, he perhaps, mm. I think accurately said that this wasn't in our nature and I think uh, it is. Yeah, really. I, I
3: know I but I would also be very, I would caution mm. uh, hugely about that because there's, there's the question you pose an interesting one. There is a very, str- you know, I won't say very strong, but there's a very vocal far left mm. community in this country. Okay, they are what they are, mm. uh, and it's a democracy. Everybody gets to say their piece. There is a, an unfocused. This is how I would uh, characterize it: an unfocused uh, far right sentiment that is under the surface in this mm. country. I'm just reading a lot of text yeah. here on
0: my screen. Actually, it's, it's it is a lot of that, really. I mean, people say Islamists want the total destruction of the entire Judeo Christian world. Stop pandering to a death cult. Uh, the problem with the argument about ex- extremist Islam being a tiny minority is that most Muslim countries are ruled by oppressive social codes, including outlawing hom- homosexuality and stoning rape victims. That one's from from, from a guy called Joe.
3: Well, well he has views. a point in that there are parts of that is, Islamic it Islamic is court. fact, yeah, uh, and it's particularly the ones that stoke the Wahhabist, Salafist mm, mm. element. And I just want to go back to a pointer because I think it's important. Do you remember there was a group called was it Pediga Pediga? Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, they came, the, to, yeah, to the they drama. attempted right. to come Party. to, yeah, this now. I don't share their sentiments. Uh, And I think the problem, though, is that in this country, because the far left are very well organised, they try and stifle any kind of debate coming from uh, anybody who could be considered uh, on the right. Mm. And I think what uh, the health of a democracy, if you have this uh, amorphous, unfocused sentiment, mm. which we agree we have and which could be furthered uh, by the more you press it down, the more you kind of uh, drive people's sense of that they're being, not being listened to. And I think that ha- that was a factor in the Brexit. That happening. was a key
2: factor in Brexit yeah, yeah. I yeah. feel, without a doubt. I feel that people did not feel they were being listened to. They looked at London and they looked at the bubble that yeah. was built around London. And the city. Way that you often hear people reflecting here about Dublin and you know that mm. the center of power, and they, they said, You do not stand for me, you are not listening to me. And that's why they woke up the next day and realized, Jesus, we're we'll after leaving Europe, you know. Mm. But we're really what in reaction. What have we done? What yeah. have we done? But does that because manif- what they were doing was they were reacting to mm. the government, they were reacting to power, the power that they feel they don't have anymore, yeah. that has been yeah. taken from them. And this is all part but of that. that totally in, right.
1: in, in an Irish context, does that manifest? itself as a
3: fear and a, I suppose, hatred
1: of the other,
3: or is it, has it just... The potential to fear. Yeah. And this is the thing, this is why I would disagree with Mihan Martin. I think he's been quite a canny mm. and astute politician in recent times. But we we can't afford the luxury of saying things like, it's not in our nature, mm. we Irish people and English people and Scottish people and whatever, we're, you know, I've, when I've been abroad I'm struck by how similar we are in our value mm. systems and our outlook uh, in both good ways and bad ways and to try and say that somehow that we are Irish confers some sanctity upon us Not no. sanctity, but, nonsense, perhaps nonsense. but perhaps, perhaps your, your outlook is borne by experience
1: and if our outlook is, is born by being a, a a nation of people who have to leave and our own our own national experience, yes, I'm not denying that sentiment is there, but it's not as acute or as I suppose emphasised as it Maybe is. Maybe not, but you know, it, it is out there. Oh, it's there, but it like is absolutely there could, could you, and you see, see it d-
2: manifesting d- itself a lot of the times, even in casual racism, and it's things like that that people need to be awake mm. to, because yeah. that is the start mm. of it.
0: Mm. Just a text in here from Ronan in Galway it says the Declan made an excellent point. Me re the media role. Please enlighten us to all the different aspects of Muslims and not just the extremist. That is the only way we will normalise relations. It's only a religion after all. Sheila, is this something that we've gone wrong in the media? After every one of these attacks we go looking for, for Muslim spokespeople to condemn it.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be the element of looking for the bogeyman, yeah. if you like, in lots of ways. And I mean, natu- that's nearly naturally the, the first thing that happens in all of these. And we, because we want to understand, we want to try and rationalise all these situations and to try and imagine what made this guy... Be Drive a nineteen-ton t- truck down a promenade, for example. So, mm. of course, there is that element of it, but it is oversimplifying the issue. You know, and there is a kind of a tendency not to maybe look at the broader issues that are at play, like the issues that we are discussing here this morning. You know, um, the rise of of kind of anti-Islam as Islamists, and what does that mean for uh, the wider globalised world mm. that we live in and uh, live in today? And I think part of the problem is that we've had Nice, you know, what on Wednesday say or, or Thursday, and we've had Turkey on Friday and what's going to be next week you know so mm. it's hard okay. to kind of keep track of what's going on and that's part of the problem that we don't get time to focus on those issues for that reason D- Just going to come
3: back to a point you made there when it is important that when a, an atrocity of that nature takes place you know that like just when Irish atrocities took place you know, Irish yeah. you know, IRA inspired well, atrocities guess, yeah. that, that we needed spokespeople credible spokespeople to come out and condemn okay. it and then we needed other people like I just to, I would call it the Wogan effect who weren't involved mm. in politics but Terry Wogan was a voice the of Touchstone. And there were a cultural touchstone that reminded ordinary English people that's what real Ireland is. Now, we need to fashion an element of that for the Islamic community with their partnership. And, you know... They
2: need to stand up the okay. plate they in they, they to do, And them. I think
3: that, yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think we need to uh, create the platforms because there are people that will do that. We tend to keep going to the same spokespeople who come out, quite frankly, yeah. with a lot of whataboutery and they're facilitated by that by certain elements within the body politic and the media. And that's not healthy because it doesn't represent... The broad sway of the vote. Okay, John, what you on this one, Fiek? A lot of polls are out there today. Mm.
0: All good news for for Fianna Fáil Fall and Hall Martin. I mean, the popular opinion on this is it's just a question of of, of waiting for Fianna Fall to pull the plug. But is that really the case, though? I don't no.
1: think so. I I think you know, there's been a number of polls in the past week. We ourselves in the Irish Times had one a week and a half ago. Had Fianna mm. Fall at three three percent. Business Post have them on twenty nine, and the Sunday Times have them on thirty. And I suppose this is feeding this perception, and I suppose fear in Fine Gael that uh, Liam Martin is just waiting to pull the plug. And bring the how, how deep is that
0: fear from from speaking to people in the in the parliamentary? Well, party. it's
1: a fear. It's a fear among among certain backbenchers. But I think perhaps that that is. Maybe too simplistic a reading of it. The fact, the mere fact of Brexit, I think, has uh, had an effect on the body politic as a whole. That this is not the time to create mm. instability here, when the government is going to have to go into Brexit negotiations and not too distant future. We've seen Theresa May saying she's not going to trigger Article Fifty until the new year. But I think. I don't think it means in the short term we're going to have a general election, perhaps after two years maybe, yes, but what it will do is it will, I suppose. We've, at the end, the Kenny leadership issue surfaced in recent weeks, largely been settled for this th- mm. for this moment now, uh, it might be towards the end of the year, but I think it perhaps brings that into sharper focus uh, sometime that Fine Gael might want to r- look again at that issue, perhaps after the budget and into the new year. Mm-hmm.
0: And Sheila it, it, I mean the polls show 30% mm.
1: for. Oh fi- they can fi- feel it yeah. they, they feel
2: it in their water They mm-hmm. know They know it's turned For them for definite Yeah Um but Fike is right; they can't be seen to, you know, willy nilly pull no. the plug on it on any old People issue. Wouldn't if wouldn't accept like, it, would they? You know? No, they wouldn't. And I and I think they would be really annoyed with having to go back into battle for another general election uh, so soon. You know, uh, there is a kind of a sense of just get on with it. But certainly, the, there's a bit there's an issue within the Gael grassroots. They're not happy with the amount of power that they feel the Fine Gael has in, in the background. There, you know, uh, that they are essentially pulling the strings. We see that in in uh, the uh, Sunday Business Post poll 47% of people reply is yeah. really yeah. running the country and that has made uh, the Finnegale grassroots extremely unhappy and quite jittery as well and they are afraid of a, of a snap election that that could leave them quite vulnerable fighting a leadership battle as well on one front and then facing into an election would leave them in a very very vulnerable situation and they do know that there's huge mistrust out there uh, with the independence mm. you know between Fine Gael and the independence and certainly on the ground there is and you know I'm in a constituency where you have uh, Independent Alliance TD say Kevin Box and then you have Peter Burke of Fine Gael, TD you know and you can see that within the kind of the two factions if you like there is Tension a lot of there. mistrust mm. yeah of mm. course there is naturally the enough there is and that's played app- out right mm. across the country. Yeah,
1: ac- across the, the last the polls mm-hmm. a number of few, week, few weeks there has been a trend that it, support for independence has fallen to a greater or lesser degree and you look mm-hmm. across polls so perhaps m- maybe having voted in huge numbers for independence in the election in February that people are looking on and perhaps not liking what they see when they see for example, the recent uh, dispute within the government over allowing members of the Cabinet a free vote on Mick mm. mean, Wallace's fatal fatal abnormalities yeah. bill. So perhaps that's starting to feed through and yeah. in the long, the longer that goes on maybe we'll see a drift par- back to the, the party system. I think Pat Rabbit's writing with this in the Business Post today that perhaps... Voters will go back to wanting a normal
0: coalition a normal and that government. be the thing, exactly. is yeah. the, is it Sorry. the experiment with, the, with independence? Is this, are people waking up and saying, "Well, we don't like, really like to look at that at all"? But hold
3: it. on a second. Let's let's uh, think about it. You know, democracy is about giving somebody a mandate yeah. and then you want them then to be able you know you, we want you to steer the ship okay you have to let them steer the ship for a period like this whole period of so called new politics it makes me you know uh, want to vomit when I hear about it you're not a fan of the term, no. It's look do you know what it is it's not new politics it's neutered politics mm. and the Irish public have started to waken up to that and this kind of uh, uh, posse of a uh, herd of cats is the best way to describe it where you have all these people with disparate ideas the only good thing I could say about the inclusion uh, so far of all the independents, and I'll be a little bit partisan here as a Midlands man, as a former soldier, is that Bu- Kevin boxer more through sensible lobbying, and if and that lobbying falling on the open ears and the compassion of the Minister of Defence has ensured that Irish veterans from Jadaville mm. will get military honours that they were denied. Now that that's, that's, uh, that's an example of something useful happening. I'm sure there are other examples, but in the great scheme of things, I think what we have to waken up to is you're better off. You have a, 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 a parties that can govern when they have a clear mandate and a clear majority. Mm. Whether it's Fianna Fáil, whether it's Fine Gael. I think Fine Gael are quite right to be annoyed. That they're, like, they're, they're in a neutered state. They'll be better off when they can get out of this and they can rebuild and mm. move forward.
0: Yeah, within Fianna Fáil, is there a surprise at how quickly they've bounced back? Are they surprised to even be in this position? I think they are. I, I think perhaps um, that they.
1: A lot of. The kind of Fianna Fáil grassroots people um, backbenchers were very sceptical about this arrangement they entered into a couple of mm. months ago but were willing to be led by the party leadership who I suppose they gave Mian the benefit of the doubt he had a good election you know He they, they trusted where he was taking them but they are surprised that they're ticking upwards of 30% down opinion polls like that was last seen pre-2008 when they yeah. were in their, their Celtic Tiger pump but I suppose perhaps a large element of that is people who would have previously voted for Fianna Fáil p- feeling that Maybe it's okay to express support for them now. Mm-hmm. That during the years of bust and bailout, there was a lot of anger towards Fianna Fáil. We saw that in 2011. We've seen a slow drift back with every election, and now it's perhaps not as unacceptable to say I'm a Fianna Fáil supporter yeah. now. The old, years, the old heads are <laughs> back. But the interesting thing in the Sunday Times poll was that their support is increasing amongst the young. In Dublin and That's women, which is three yeah. crucial sections of the electorate.
0: There is it, yeah. Because I mean, I think it was uh, Brendan Howland was making the point that the social democrats in Fianna Fáil is the term he wants mm. to use. They're a little bit more pro- progressive than than people well, would have given them credit for, and when they were when they were hammered from 2008 onwards, yeah, as this <coughs> you know this dinosaur,
3: they, they, are, of
1: money. they are the great shapeshifters of Irish politics, they are whatever, they are, whatever, they whatever. whatever, it. whatever. But, but they cleared <laughs> out. I
3: mean, they cleared out the ranks. I mean, you've a lot of new. Fa- Felix's point is is very uh, accurate. You've younger people drawn to them because you've younger faces. You have the likes of Lisa Chambers mm. there. Yeah. Uh, you know, smart, young, articulate. Uh, she represents even just you know her physical stance is going to represent something that people. Age will relate to. You've got uh, other up and coming guys. You've got the likes of Timmy Dooley there, mm. who's a regular contributor within the media, who yeah. represents something kind of uh, pragmatic but yet fresh. Mm. And so, Mihal Martin has been quite astute mm. in how he's gone about reorganizing. His party. Yes. Indeed, yeah. And yeah. in lots
2: of ways, you know, the way Finnegale are, you know, the destabilizing of Finnegail, if you like. And he actually, he uh, Martin gives a good interview in uh, to Hugh O'Connell in the mm. Business Post mm. Mm. today. You know, and he talks about how you know that's a uh, it's not very beneficial the destabilising of Fine Gael and all that but in reality it suits Fianna Fáil absolutely perfectly what's going on in Fine Gael. let Indeed. them rip each RIP other of apart it has as to as be possible. the
1: responsible face yes. of this, you know, but yeah. they get to look as you say responsible, yeah, patriotic we are allowing a government to be put yeah. in place when actually they're biding their time really and then <laughs> they look on as Fine Gael is tearing itself apart or is about to enter into a leadership contest which will take some time and then we'll have a new leader. I think the real danger for this um, government will come uh, when, the, the, obviously, when the change in Finnegale happens. We've seen Michal going go, no, no, no that, that has no effect on our arrangement. Sure. And perhaps it doesn't. Yeah. But the, the, what the danger could come from within Finnegale itself that, as Sheila says, they're not happy about this. Leo Varadkar okay. takes over and says, it's not worth our time anymore. We're going to the country.
0: All right. Well, my thanks to Fia Kelly, political correspondent with the Irish Times, Sheila Riley, editor of the Longford Leader, and Declan Power, who is a security and defence analyst.